Welcome to The Power of Digital Policy, a show that helps digital marketers, online communications directors, and others throughout the organization balance out risks and opportunities created by using digital channels. Here's your host, Christina Podner. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Power of Digital Policy podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I'm excited to have with us James Bowerstock, who I've known and worked with in the past. James is a senior accessibility consultant at AbilityNet, which is a UK accessibility charity where he delivers accessibility audits, user testing, and client training for companies such as Barclays, HSBC, and BT. He's previously worked as a public sector website manager where accessibility was a major focus and also has experience working for a company providing automated accessibility testing. James, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for making time today to share your experience with us. Thanks very much for that intro, Christina. It's great to be here. Well, I honestly am so excited because I've worked with you before, so I know how awesome you are. But I also have heard other people praise you along the lines of accessibility. You're truly a subject matter expert in the field. And so I'm wondering, James, when we think about accessibility, it's such a challenging concept for many organizations to grasp especially small to medium ones that don't have dedicated resources. What are some of the practical things that organizations can do as an initial step to accessibility? It it is a complex topic because there's both the kind of the the technical side to it. um, And there's also um, the side of understanding about people with disabilities and the way in which they use assistive technology and and this sort of people side to it. so it's it's something where initially it's, it's it's helpful if initially potentially you can have somebody within the organisation um, to be an to be an accessibility champion and to um, get a get a greater knowledge about accessibility. Um, potentially also initially maybe to get training to to maybe bring in somebody externally an external consultant to start with and then look at training. It look at getting some sort of basic training internally. Um, so it's not something where everybody needs to know everything about accessibility immediately. Um, it's more that it's something where you need a, a sort of a good basic knowledge spread across spread across people. So you want your your designers, your your your, your product managers, your developers, your your QA people. Um, you you want people to have at least a basic idea of accessibility, and then you might have particular people within the teams um, who want to become accessibility champions and be able to um, uh, to be able to um, be people who are who, who are more sort of your your your, your internal your internal go to people, while at the same time making sure that you have a you have a you have a spread of knowledge as well. So it sounds like awareness is the first step. Um, I think so. So first of all, just just getting that level of awareness because it's 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 something where you you it can be surprising that you can sometimes go into organisations um, and you can talk to people who really don't know what accessibility is at all. Um, so getting that 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 first level that you sort of introduce people to the concept, um, familiarise them with that, um, and then get and then you can work. It's something where you can work towards a, gr- a greater level of understanding as you go along. So that's interesting because um, I hear a lot of organizations sort of express that they're fearful or they're afraid, especially around how much time they're going to have to dedicate to accessibility. So can you talk a little bit about 
you know, if you're going to take that initial step, get into the awareness mode, start to find your champion and train people. Once you do those things, how much time and effort do you anticipate organizations need to dedicate to ensuring accessibility remains a priority and that it's integrated into everyday practice? Um, so it certainly, it certainly does take time and commitment and resources, but it's something where if you can integrate it into your everyday practices, so it's part of what you do um, in terms of in terms of your development, your design, your QA, if it's something that's considered along with your other priorities, um, then it's then it will be it will be easier. I think where accessibility can get a bad reputation is where people tend to first encounter it, where there's some sort of complaint or they do an accessibility audit after they've just finished a website or a project and then they get a big report back saying that they've got um, uh, they've got all of these dozens and dozens of accessibility issues. And it, that, that's part of, I think, what makes it, what makes it daunting. Um, I think there was... Um, uh, there's, there's, there's a nice analogy. I think it was Cordelia Dillon who made this analogy that she said that um, accessibility is like a blueberry muffin and that you can't, um, you can't, when you're cooking a, mu- a blueberry muffin, you can't just stuff all the blueberries in at the end. You need to actually, it's a structural thing. So you have to have that, um, you, 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 it needs to be there at the beginning. And, and if you, if you consider accessibility from the very beginning, from the very first kind of design and concept, conceptual stage, um, then it's so much. It's so it's so much easier. But it's so it, it's very difficult for organisations to get into that sort of um, to get to that place because it requires commitment from the top. It requires having the right the right sort of policy and, and the right the right procedures in place. And it requires that level of awareness I was talking about across across teams. Um, but if you can get into that place, then it does become it does become easier. And, and combining that potentially with the use of of, 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 of automated tools can help to an extent. Um, combining that with making sure that it's baked into your um, QA your your QA processes, making it part of the way that you do things. Um, if if an organisation can get to that stage, then accessibility does become it does become an easier thing to um, to deal with. No, that's great. It sounds like something that we just all need to learn and adopt. And so I'm curious, you know, we're talking a lot about websites and website accessibility, but we live in a world of mobile devices, social media, Internet of Things and devices. You know, will we actually get to the point where accessibility practices evolve across all of these channels? And how do you see that kind of playing out in the marketplace? Are people thinking about accessibility beyond websites or are we still at initial stages where websites is sort of the ground zero and we're still working on that? Um, I think it's it's already um, the case that, I mean, there's certainly in terms of um, in terms of apps, I think a lot of people um, are putting a lot of effort into into app accessibility, um, and we certainly do a lot of auditing and work in terms of t- in testing uh, in testing mobile apps. Um, and um, obviously, both they 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 have a, a different sort of ecosystem than 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 the websites, but a lot of a lot of the same principles apply. Um, and the web content accessibility guidelines, the the kind of the 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 international guidelines that people follow are, are written to be technology agnostic. So you can go into, you can look at um, different systems and potentially you can apply, um, you can apply a lot of them um, across different types of technology and different types, different types of systems. Um, so it's not a question of sort of starting from scratch every time there's a new development, but there, are, there do tend to be things 
um, that over time need to change. So with, with the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, there was the update um, a few years ago to, to WCAG 2.1 from 2.0. And part of the need for that update was the fact that since the publication of the, the, first, the, the second version of the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, um, you had um, iPhones and, and, and uh, the rise of smartphones um, and touch devices. Um, and there were elements um, within the, the last version of the accessibility guidelines that didn't didn't um, that there are elements that that weren't that weren't captured very well. So the, the definitely the web content accessibility guidelines will develop over time, and, and the next iteration of that um, is currently ongoing. Um, but it, it's it's not something where the you have to start from scratch every time. I think there are certain sort of principles and, and the, that that are there, um, and that we can sort of learn and develop on. As, as, as things change. And that's great to understand because I think people think that every single time we either release a new app or we decide to start kind of testing out YouTube or some other social media channel that we're going to have to start from scratch. So it's good to understand that this is an evolving foundational step that you take and then you kind of layer on, but with the same concepts and the same resources and the same principles that are already out there. Um, I'm wondering, James, you know, the internet is full of advice. You just mentioned the guidelines themselves, um, but the devices and advice out there in terms of testing, um, accessibility, in terms of understanding what we ought to do, some are great, some are less so. What are your three go-to resources for accessibility that you want listeners to access and bookmark and keep handy? Um, that's, that's a tough one. I'm trying to think of the, the things that I find most useful. I mean, a, a newsletter, a weekly newsletter I find really useful is the, um, uh, Ally weekly newspaper. So the Ally with, um, a, um, double one Y weekly, and that's a, um, a newsletter that, that, that comes out every week. And that's really good selection of resources generally. Um, and, um, that also has each week they have they they have at least one resource for people who are entirely new to accessibility. So even if you're someone who's just starting, um, that's potentially something um, which is um, which is really useful. Um, I think some of the the of the forums and things. I think the WebAIM WebAIM generally is a great site which has loads of useful information for things like. Uh, uh, screen reader testing. If you're just beginning screen reader testing, there's lots of good resources there. And WebAIM also have a forum, um, uh, which um, you, uh, you can search the forum individually, and that's that 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 tends to be a really useful resource. Um, and in terms of a, a paid for resource, um, an organisation that um, uh, I'm a part of is the um, IAAP, the the institution, the uh, International Association of Accessibility Professionals. Uh, they again have a forum, if you're a member, that you can ask questions on, and and, and that's that's quite useful. And they also have a a, a wide range of um, webinars. So they have a webinar every month, and if you're a member, you can you can watch all of the um, uh, you can um, get access to the uh, the uh, the older webinars. Um, and that's quite a useful. That, that's a useful organisation, and they also have they also have qualifications, and their their kind of foundational qualification um, is the um, it's called the CPAC, and that's quite useful if an organisation is thinking about wanting to get um, people aware a basic sort of accessibility awareness within the organisation. It's worth thinking about potentially getting if you've got people potentially who want to be an accessibility champion to get them that 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 CPAC qualification because it gives you a very good grounding in um, not just the basics of the technical side but the 
the uh, what what disabilities how 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 assistive technology is used, what disabilities there are, um, and though that that sort of side of it, which is sort of the the core foundation that, as I've said, as technology technology can change. But if you have a good understanding about how people with disabilities um, use technology. Um, and what 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 dis- how disabilities affect people that gives you a really good foundational knowledge to 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 be going on with. Great, thanks. And I'll make a point of listing all of those resources on our site just so that people can easily access them. Um, and you know, as you were talking, James, I was thinking about those resources. First of all, thank you because those are great, especially the foundational pieces for folks who are starting out. I'm wondering about the fact that. You know, a lot of people want to do the right thing. They want to make content accessible to everybody, but they might just not have time. So if listeners are out there and they really believe in accessibility, they want to get started on this path, but they don't actually have the resources internally to do that. Can you tell us a little bit more about AbilityNet and how people can reach out to you and what they can do sort of as initial steps? Um, certainly. Well, at AbilityNet, um on our website, um, we do run um, regular webinars. And again, the webinars, you can go onto the site and you can see webinars that have been done in the past. And if you're just getting interested in accessibility, some of those webinars have some really great information in them, um, as well as articles and blog posts on the site. And again, we've also got a, week, um, a weekly newsletter that you can, you, can, you can sign up for there. So those are all potential initial resources that you could get um, on the AbilityNet site. Um, AbilityNet also has consultancy available, um, paid for consultancy for companies, um, so that um, uh, you, you can, uh, to look at look into your websites, your apps, your applications, um, and that's something where. And we also provide training and so on. Um, so those are all things potentially, if you're um, interested in that, you could uh, you could uh, approach AbilityNet um, for those type for those type of things as well. Um, but initially having a look, you can have a look at the AbilityNet website and have a look at the resources that are available there. Um, and there's lots there about the different the different things that we do as well. Perfect. Well, that's great. I, uh, I've personally worked with AbilityNet with you, James, um, at AbilityNet and uh, had really great client feedback in terms of how practical and useful the testing that you've done has been. So it's wonderful if folks need that kind of help to be able to have that. So... Great. Well, thanks, James, again, for spending uh, your time with us, telling us about accessibility and your experience and resources. Uh, We look forward to following you on the accessibility front and uh, be well. Thanks again for your time today. Thanks very much. Thank you for joining the Power of Digital Policy. To sign up for our newsletter, get access to policy checklists, detailed information on policies, and other helpful resources, head over to thepowerofdigitalpolicy.com. If you get a moment, please leave a review on iTunes to help your digital colleagues find out about the podcast.